Good morning, everybody. For those of you that are here and those of you that are watching from home virtually, um, uh, grateful to be here myself for the second time. Uh, Pastor Sal called me a couple of days ago and asked uh, if I could help out with the message today uh, as he's not he's feeling a little bit under the weather. So we want to continue to pray for him and his family, Lord God, that um, you would heal him um, and his family um, quickly and fully, Lord God. And we are sure you're going to do that. So Today, I want to talk to you about Christmas. Thank you for that worship. It was awesome. And it is all about Jesus, right, during this time of the year, actually the whole year. But it's this time of year, Christmas, that we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus, our Savior. And so Christmas season is here again. And um, it's a good time to reflect on the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, who burst into human history over 2,000 years ago, fully man and fully God, right? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. To serve us, which means Christmas highlights our neediness. Now, now that sounds kind of weird, but think about it. He highlights our neediness, right? Our need for him. And so the question is posed, though, I think that is often asked is, uh, what are we needy for, right? Um, especially in this day and age, that's kind of a hard question that many people don't even ask themselves. It's like, what do I, what do I need? What am I needy for? Um, so because the most important needs met by the gospel, by Jesus, are really not the needs acknowledged by most people these days, if we admit. But right here in our text for today, there's an amazing explosive word in the gospel, and the word is save or saved. Romans 11, 13, and 14 say, Now I am speaking to you, the Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my, uh, my ministry in order uh, somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous that thus so save some of them. And so it says save some of them, right? So there's that word save. Okay. Um, the joyful, glorious word at the center of the gospel is save. That's what Christmas is all about. Luke 2, verses 10 and 11 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born. We need to be saved. There's that word again. Matthew one twenty one, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Okay, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Right at the center is the true meaning of Christmas. Saved. So, do we wake up in the morning or go to sleep in the evening and feel a need to be saved? What does that even mean? Saved from what, like I mentioned earlier? Is it a heartfelt, a heartfelt need for most people in this society today? The need to be saved? Unfortunately, I don't think so. So um, this morning I want to uh, point out and focus on three crucial needs the gospel meets. And this is why and what Christmas is all about. Romans 5.9 says, since, therefore, we have now been justified 
by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So there's a number one need that is met in Jesus, right? The wrath of God is our biggest problem. If it didn't exist, we wouldn't need the gospel, right? My need to be rescued from the, from the holy righteous wrath of God against me is my greatest and deepest need. Salvation from the wrath of Almighty God on me. That's what I need. Um, I grew up in, in southeast L.A. Um, my parents, uh, my dad immigrated from uh, Chihuahua, from northern Mexico to Texas when he was young. My mother's parents immigrated from Mexico to Texas, and then she was born in, in New Mexico, and then um, they ultimately met in, in Texas. Um, we moved out here to L.A., to southeast L.A., when I was a young kid. And uh, for the most part, I grew up in a, uh, I would say, a, a normal or regular Hispanic uh, Catholic family. Um, but uh, memories of childhood for me are pretty hard. You know, my dad had had a problem with drinking. Uh, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he got angry um, and many times was abusive verbally and sometimes physically with me and my brothers. And so my childhood was was kind of rough, you know, and there's a lot of good memories. Uh, my parents loved us. Um, they worked really hard to provide for us. But, you know, they had problems just like everybody else does. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing for me was that I didn't have a lot of positive influences in my life as a young boy and as a young man. And so that issue with my dad and the dysfunction in my family was something that really affected me. And as I grew older and I got into junior high, uh, as a matter of fact, I remember, I remember thinking, I don't want to be like my dad when I grow up because of all the hard memories. I don't want to be like him. And um, I remember I'm never going to be like him. And because I didn't have that, those positive influences in my life, you know, in junior high, I actually started to become the thing that I hated the most in my life. And I started uh, experimenting uh, with drugs and drinking and partying and stuff in junior high. I got involved, uh, involved with gangs and um, started to become pretty violent, you know, in, in that setting and hanging out with those guys. And so my, life, my life's path took kind of a turn for the worst. And I started to head down a road that, I even told myself I didn't want to go down, but I did anyways. So in high school and in my early years of college, uh, I basically followed that same path. You know, I partied. I became an alcoholic. I became a drug addict. Um, I chased after the girls. Um, and basically, I lived my life for myself. Um, everything I did was focused on what I wanted. And I think because of hurt in my past, in my childhood, I was really protective, and I said, you know what? Nobody's going to come in this circle here. Nobody's going to get near me, and nobody's going to hurt me. And I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to do what I want, and nobody can tell me any different. And so I lived in the world with both feet. I had no consideration for God at that time, although when I grew up, going to church every Sunday because I had to, but I did hear the stories. I did hear about Jesus. I did hear about God, and I actually could say I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. I believed those things. I know about them, but I didn't know them personally. And so that was that was uh, the one issue with me. I disregarded God. In my lifestyle and the way I lived my life, I was in full rebellion against him with no regard to him in my life whatsoever. 
I was his enemy. The Bible says that we're his enemies as when we're not, we're not walking with him or we're not his. We are against him. And so I was the enemy of God in the way that I lived my life, and, and I was separated from him. So at around 28, the, the ripe old age of 28, right, um, I was sitting in my, my backyard in my mom and dad's house, and um, I had been partying all weekend, so I was sitting back there kind of vegetating. And, but I was frustrated, and I was nervous, and I, was, um, I felt depressed. And I remember my mom came out, and she said, Mijo, son, what's, what's wrong? What's the matter? You look sad. And I said, Mom, I feel like I'm going crazy. And she kind of laughed. And she said, what do you mean, Mijo? What's the matter? And I said, Mom, I, I literally think I'm going crazy. And what had happened was, I think, in hindsight, I, I think I was having like this anxiety attack. Felt like I couldn't breathe. I go, man, I'm only 20. I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, I just like, and what it was was this immense loneliness and this immense uh, hole in my heart that I was feeling. And thinking, that day I was thinking, I'm only 28. Is this all there is to life? You know, I've gone and I've chased after everything I wanted, and I've gotten most of it. And here I am feeling this way. Why? Why? Am I not feeling peace, or, or why don't I feel like I have happiness in my life? And so I didn't know it at the time, but God was, was starting to prick at my heart. He was starting to soften my heart. And I, and I realized that day, I said, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. I, I can't keep drinking and doing this stuff, man. This is uh, a one-way a one road to, uh, to hell and to death, right? And, uh, but what I did is I went, and I, I went into a rehab program. I went and I talked to my boss. And I said, I need to take some time off. I have a problem, and I need your help. If I do this, when I get out, can I have a job when I come back? And he was a good friend of mine. He, he, was, he was a really a good uh, boss. And he said, Lou, you're a hard worker. You know, you come to work all the time. You, you give it to all. I said, go ahead and do what you have to do. When you come out, you have a job waiting for you. And I said, man, that's awesome. So I went through this program. I got out after 30 days, and I was clean and sober. It actually worked. And so, but, but, but at the time, I was like, ooh, you know, I did it. I made this decision for my life. Cool. Things were good. I still was not giving God any credit or any consideration. Although, in hindsight, I knew that it was God working in my life. So what happened was I got clean and sober. I got healthy. And uh, I kind of lived my life that way. So about three and a half years later, I was kind of back at that same situation. And I was asking myself, is this all there is to life? You know, I was clean and sober, but I was kind of dry, and I was still uh, not finding any satisfaction or purpose in my life. And so I, I found myself in the same place, kind of asking those same questions, you know, like, what am I doing? You know, I, was, I felt depressed. I felt lonely. And, and, and then I started listening to what I later define as the evil one. He started whispering in my ear and saying, Louis, you know, things were much better and more funner you know, more fun when you were in the world and when you were partying and when you were doing this and that. And I, it freaked me out. It scared me. And I thought, oh, no, no, no. This is scary. I said, I can't go back that way. I said, that, that would ruin me. That's the worst thing. That's the last thing I want to do. And so I remember that day real clearly. And I thought, something's got to give. And so because I was starting to think that way, uh, God's perfect timing, he sent people in my life right at that time to start sharing the gospel with me. And in that sharing the gospel, I started to realize that God had let me 
lived my life for that three and a half years. I still hadn't come to faith in him yet. Clean and sober because he wanted me to understand that I could not do it on my own power. I had three and a half years and I was starting to get tired and starting to head back to my old ways. And so God showed up and people started sharing the gospel and they invited me to church. And I didn't go at first because <laughs> I thought, oh, no, what am I doing? I'm a Catholic and I'm, you know, whatever, all this stuff, you know. I kind of went through that, that period of all that, thinking about all that stuff. But I finally went. I finally said yes. And the first time I showed up, uh, I was in the church and the pastor was preaching and he said something that stuck in my head. He said, he truly believes that God works in people's lives even before they come to faith in him throughout their lives. Like he really literally saves their lives so that he can get them to this point so they can be saved. And that's because he has a plan for them. He has a plan for all of us. And it dawned on me that day that God was speaking to me. You know how you feel sometimes that God is only speaking to you in the midst of a whole crowd in the church. He was speaking to me. And I, I had a flashback in my head. I had several. And I thought of all the times in my life that I could remember where I, I couldn't understand why I was still alive. Why I couldn't understand why I hadn't killed somebody. Why I wasn't in prison. Why all these things. Why, how am I still alive? And... That's when he really broke my heart that day. It, it took several weeks, you know, before I finally uh, submitted or, or gave my life to Christ. But I became a believer. And I was saved from the wrath of God. I was no longer an enemy of God. I was his friend. I was his son. I was an heir to the throne. And Jesus was my Lord. Okay. So in Romans 5, chapter 10 and 11, it says, For while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. There's that word again. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So that's the number two uh, heartfelt need that is met in the gospel, that is met by Jesus. See, one of the biggest needs every human soul has is to be part of something bigger than themselves. Anything or something bigger that the, that the world can offer, right? It's hardwired into us by God, all of us. Everybody wants to be happy in their lives, right? But not many people know how to find that happiness. There is that deep desire that we all have for purpose and meaning in our lives. It's all about God and his plan and his purposes for us. See, the problem is, though, we try to meet those needs with all the things that the world has to offer. Money, success, power, sex, endless mind-numbing entertainment. I have kids. Family, health, status, drugs, and alcohol. Anything we try to meet those needs with. But God, the one true source. Okay, so... The text says that we're reconciled after the wrath is taken care of, right? Now we are reconciled so that we can rejoice in God. So when I gave my life to Christ that day, I was saved from God's wrath. I was reconciled to him now. And so through the blood of Christ and what he did on the cross, God made a way for me, for us, for anybody that believes, to be reconciled to God. You see, in the beginning, God's original design was when we read in Genesis and we, and we read about Adam and Eve, was for us to be in fellowship with him, 
You remember those verses in Genesis that talks about, and they walked and they talked with God in the cool of the day. They had fellowship. See, that was God's original design for all of us, to walk and talk with him in the cool of the day, to have fellowship, to hear from him, right? And that's how it was meant to be from the very beginning until sin came into the world, right? And so for me, I had been saved from God's wrath. I was now reconciled back to God, original design, right? He freed me from drugs and alcohol and some pretty big things in my life. Yet, it's kind of like the example, a good example is like when you walk around and you have pants on and you have these rocks in your pants. And somehow you put them in there, you were collecting them or whatever, but you know, they're kind of bugging you and they're kind of like sticking out. And, and you get some of the big ones out and you throw them away. Well, there's alcoholism, there's the drugs, there's the promiscuity, you know, there's this, there's that. But then you have these solid, these little smaller ones that kind of stay in your pockets as you, you walk along in life and you're busy. And so, what happens is, 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 is when we're reconciled to God, is he begins this new work in your life, right? It doesn't end with salvation. That's the beginning, right? That's the beginning because we're born again. We're brand new. God has given us another chance. He gave me another chance, right? So I was freed. I was reconciled. And now I can walk in obedience with whatever God told me to do. I was, a new, I was a baby Christian, and so that was all new to me, but that was the beginning. And so I, I started on that new path. Okay, Matthew 121, which I, I, I quoted earlier. Uh, he will save his people from their sin. So need number three met by Jesus. Okay, we're saved not simply from the consequences of our sin. When we come to faith in Christ and we confess our sins, God is just and faithful to forgive us for our sins past, present, and future, right? So that's a done deal. We're saved. We're his, right? But does that mean sin is gone forever from our lives? Because we live in a fallen world, right? Sin is always around us. And it, it can tempt us and pull us in, but it can't ever take full control over us because we belong to Jesus, right? Um, but the, the issue is we're not saved simply from the consequences of sin and wrath, Right? But praise the Lord for those things. But the poison of sin, the contaminating toxic effects of sin that ruins and destroys everything good in our lives and makes us love the things of the world more than we love God. That's what sin, that's what sin does to us. And so even as believers, sin can plague us. Sin can continuously bother us, if, if, especially if we let it. And it will steal that joy away from walking close to God. And so that heartfelt need number three that Jesus is that he deals with that sin once and for all. So now we have the tools, we have the Holy Spirit that helps us and convicts us of our sin, and we have his word, and he leads us in a holy life, in a righteous life. So are we perfect? No. We're not going to be perfect until we go home with Jesus or he comes back again. But I tell you what, that's what we call sanctification, right? So I came to faith in Christ. He saved me. I was saved from God's wrath. I was reconciled back to God, right? But now I have this thing in my life called sanctification. Have you guys heard of that? Sanctification. 
Basically what it is, it's the process of which God uses in our life. As we walk with God, it's the process of him sanctifying us and making us more like his son Jesus. That's our desire when we come to faith in Christ. That's a goal. That's something that we strive for because Jesus was our perfect example. When he was here on earth, he lived a perfect and sinless life. And so that's our model for us. Remember earlier I was telling you I didn't have very many good role models in my life when I was young. Well, Jesus is a perfect role model for all of us. So we want to emulate him when we come to faith in him. And so that's what I was charged to do. And so as I was being sanctified by God, I'd been saved. Okay, I remember when I got baptized a few weeks after that, I remember this picture in my head is when you get baptized, you get immersed underwater completely, right? And you say, buried with Christ in baptism, and then you come out of the water, raised to walk in newness of life. And that just blew my mind because when I came out of that water, I realized now that God, that I was God's. I was wholly his and he was wholly mine. And that for me, I was saying to all those people that saw me get baptized that I was following him and that for me, there was no turning back no matter what. And that was just a really awesome moment in my life. And so the process of sanctification after we become believers is this lifelong process. It's a journey that takes our whole life. And that journey is where God continues to transform our hearts, to renew our hearts and renew our minds more like to his son, Jesus. And so it's a really, it's a really cool journey if we strive to stay close to him. So God blessed me tremendously. I came to faith in Christ. I'm reconciled. And I'm sanctified. And in the sanctification, God provided so many awesome things for me as I grew in my faith. And so he gave me purpose in life. Remember, I was I was in the backyard of my mom's, and I didn't know what my life was all about. I thought, at 28, man, it's over. I don't know what I want. Well, he, he gave me the desire to know what I want, and that was to follow him and to do his will. And so I had purpose in my life. So that wasn't a big hole. I wasn't depressed anymore. I didn't feel anxious or stressed out anymore because... God has a plan for me. He has a plan for all of us that follow him. So he continues to transform my mind and my heart. I met my wife at church, and she grew up as a missionary kid. Her parents served overseas, and so for her, she was on her way overseas as well. About four months after I became a believer, we had a missions conference at our church. So we had missionaries come from different places around the world to speak at our church. And I remember being in a session with this guy that had come from China. And here I am, four months into my, my faith, a brand new Christian, and he's talking about uh, the Yi people. It's the name of a tribal group. And the Yi people live way up in the mountains in this province in China. And the only way you can get to them is if you hike and backpack. And there's no other way to get to them. You know, like, oh, man, I don't like camping. <laughs> I like to backpack. I like to hike. And I'll go see the Yi people. But what he said next was it really affected me. It broke my heart, actually. And um, he said, the Yi people have never had the chance or, or the opportunity to hear the gospel. They had never heard the name of Jesus in their language or any other language. And it broke my heart. I actually started crying. And I realized for the first time how small my world was. You know, up to that point, my world was L.A., East L.A., Tijuana, Rosarito, uh, Texas, El Paso, Juarez, you know, the places that I had been, that was it, man. I hadn't been anywhere else between those two places. And here is God opening his creation, the whole world, to me. 
There's these people in China that, that don't have a chance to hear the gospel. And here I am in L.A. in the United States where there's like churches everywhere. And the gospel had tried to come to me several times and I, I rejected it. But at least I had the opportunity to reject it. These people and other people around the world, they don't have that opportunity. So if somebody doesn't go to them and to tell them about Jesus, then how are they going to hear? How are they going to be able to respond or even reject the gospel? That broke my heart. And I felt like, you know what? God did just miraculously save my life. And he had brought me out of the pit. And he had blessed me with a beautiful wife and family and, and, and purpose in my life. And for me, there was no other life worth living at that point. Now I knew what my life was meant to be. And here are these people all around the world that, that don't even have that opportunity. So my heart was broken that day. And that day, God put a calling on my life. And, and I knew that day, I didn't know where and who, but that, that someday I was going to get on a plane or a train or a boat or something and go somewhere where people don't have that opportunity to hear about Jesus out of just this immense gratefulness in my life for what he had done. And so now I was on that new road. And I got married and we started having kids and everything we worked towards was God's will in our life to go overseas uh, to, to proclaim the gospel. So tremendously blessed. And so we've been overseas for 15 years now. And we're here for a little bit. We're kind of stuck because of COVID, but uh, trying to head back to Southeast Asia as soon as possible. So the gospel saves us from the wrath of God. The gospel opens up access through reconciliation to God. He opens up this access to a sweet, deep, increasing, all-satisfying joy in the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives and for eternity, if we believe. When we shift from the real meaning of Christmas... When we don't or can't see our own sin and our real need for a Savior, when we go looking for some other good news of great joy, we long for something that will never come. Because we live in a fallen and broken world, and we on our own power do not have the power to save ourselves from the wrath of God. Instead of hiding from this reality during this season, this Christmas season, this is the very context which makes the real meaning of Christmas irreplaceable. The Christmas joy, the Christmas hope, the baby given to us in love, John 3.16. He's to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A wonderful counselor for those who mourn and have lost their way. A mighty God able to redeem his people from their past, present, and future sin. And peace with Almighty God himself. That's awesome. So, to not lose the importance of Christ in the shadows of the Christmas hoopla, as we call it, this year, we must seriously reflect on the good news of great joy given to those in a broken world, the birth of Jesus. It may feel controversial, right, or counterintuitive to talk about Sin, to talk about brokenness during the most wonderful time of the year. Sound familiar? But instead of being focused on, on, on too much on the lights and the tinsel and the trees, things that are not bad in themselves, we should instead consider the reality of sin in order to remember why we need a Savior and why Christ came. To sit in that darkness just for a little bit so that we might see 
and wonder and amazement, the light in heaven that came down to earth on Christmas Day for us. It's amazing. So, to keep Christmas, or to keep Christ in our Christmases, we consider the bad news so that it makes the good news even more wonderful, right? So, in the first Advent, Jesus came as a baby in a manger to begin to usher in his kingdom, right? When Christ returns in the second Advent, right, he will uh, consummate that kingdom or he will make it perfect. Christ will not come as a baby, but as a man with a tattoo on his thigh and a sword protruding from his mouth. And that's from Revelation. Uh, You should read it. It's, It's awesome. Our Savior will come again to judge the living and the dead, to make all things new. When he returns, Christ will transform hearts and ultimately he'll transform the whole world. He will once and for all and completely fix what has been broken. We should be filled with great joy for this simple reason. He is coming back. Praise the Lord. God said he would come once, and he did. He said that he would lay down his life for his people and take it up again, and he did. He said he would return someday, and I guarantee it he will. We know that, right? Um, We celebrate Christ's birthday knowing that one day, if we believe, we will celebrate with him face to face. And isn't if that isn't the most wonderful news of all, I don't know what is. So, Merry Christmas. Um, so I want to ask, so what's, what's for those of you watching at home and for, for those of you here, what is holding you back today from letting God meet these heartfelt needs in your life, right? Uh, don't wait too much longer. Um, tomorrow is not guaranteed. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible also says that for all has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all separated from God until that day that we see our sin for what it is and allow God to come into our hearts and save us from ourselves. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Don't wait any longer, and he will meet you where you're at. Uh, Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time today, Lord God, and thank you for the message, for the music, Lord God, that and the message of Christmas uh, when we celebrate your birth, Jesus, and just the implications of, of all that in our lives, Lord God. We're grateful for this time to be here today, Lord God, to share just a little bit, Lord God, of, of what you're doing in our lives and in this, in this earth, Lord God. Thank you for loving us, uh, God. Thank you for sending your son, Lord God, because you loved us so much. Thank you for the real season of Christmas, Lord God. And I pray that um, that we would let, reflect, Lord God, and, and reflect on our sin, reflect on our lives, Lord God. And, and I just pray that you would help us to come back uh, walking closer to you, Lord God. And I pray for those that don't believe, Lord God, that don't consider these needs as anything that they need, that they would be broken, that you, Lord God, would, would pierce their hearts and help them to understand that they are separated from you, Lord God. And until they come to that point where they consider their sin and that separation, that um, you would lead them to yourself, you would save them, Lord God. Uh, we thank you for Pastor Sal and his family, uh, and we do pray for his, his healing, that he would get better soon, Lord God. And we pray that you would bless uh, North Park Church, and this fellowship, Lord God, and that you would Continue to use it in a mighty way in San Bernardino and and beyond, Lord God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.